Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Uh, Lord, I ask you to anoint my lips. I ask you to take this teaching um, and that you would do your work in it. Supernaturally, you would do something from my brain, my lips, to their ears and to their soul. God, that you would move in this place and that you would make uh, yourself known to us, that you would make your heart known to us, that we would get to see a glimpse of your face this morning. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. We are going to talk about one of the most awkward stories in the Bible, and that's saying something, because there are a lot of really awkward stories in the Bible. So Luke chapter 30, oh, chapter 36, that'd be fun if you could find that one. Uh, Luke uh, chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. If you're using the Uversion app, uh, the notes are in there under events. Have fun with that as well. Um, but we're going to be there. You're going to want to take notes. I think today there's a lot of little historical nuggets of stuff going on because this is one of those uh, passages in Scripture that we've read. You've probably all read it. You've all probably all gone, hmm, okay. Uh, and that's and kind of moved on because you didn't understand some of the stuff going on. Uh, I know I'm guilty of that. I come across upon some passages in Scripture, just like, okay, let's just keep it moving and go to the next one. But we're in this series called Come to the Table, right? Jesus eats his way through the New Testament. Almost all the time you see a new story, you see a new chapter, and Jesus is on his way to eat somewhere or from going from eating from somewhere, okay? Or he's creating the meal himself uh, in some instances. This is what he does. And so uh, as we, we... see that there's something important about kind of having this attitude of I'm going to go to the meal with Jesus. I'm going to go partake in this meal with Jesus. Uh, Jesus was invited to so many parties that him and his disciples were known as the, the, the slur that was thrown at him by the Pharisees was that they're a bunch of gluttons and drunkards. That they went to so many parties with people that they're like, well, if they go, if anybody goes to that many parties, they must be drunks and they must be gluttons. <laughs> that was the reputation they started to get. Um, I don't know, that wasn't true, but that was just the slander. Well, if you're going to go to that party, you know, that's just what happens. Um, and so that's just kind of who Jesus was. He's always at parties. And there's a reason for that. In first century uh, AD, remember, you have no video games. Some of you are like, mm, no Fortnite. That would be amazing again. Uh, so <laughs> um, I'm fighting the urge to do a Fortnite dance right now. So I'm, I'm just going to not. Uh, <laughs> um, no, no video games, no TV, no real books. I mean, there's a few, but you had to be uber, 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 uber rich to be able to afford a book. Um, you had some plays every once in a while. You had some people like getting you know killed by lions. That would probably be good entertainment every once in a while. But um, um, you know, you those kinds of things, but you don't have a, a nightly you know, newspaper or Jeopardy to watch or anything like that. What you have is dinner. Dinner is the main occasion. Eating habits looked a little bit like this. You'd wake up, you'd have breakfast, which was probably whatever leftover bread you had the night before, and maybe some dried fruits. Remember, you are in Israel, and it's the desert, 
So it's not like, oh, I'll just have some. You know, no, there's no refrigeration. There's no microwave. You, you get bread um, and a lot of it, and that's that's it. And not really that even good bread, but that's just what you get. Uh, so unless you were blessed and you lived around the Sea of Galilee, then you had a lot of these little sardine-like fish uh, that usually were caked in salt because nothing says, mmm, uh, let's wake up and eat a good, healthy dose of dried fish. Um, they are ugly fish, too. I, I went to Israel when I was 18, and they serve them with every breakfast. They are the ugliest. They, they serve them with the head still on. The 18-year-old Jared was like, nope. I ate a lot of yogurt, a lot of yogurt on the, those days. Um, and it's plain. You know, it was just, it was a, I lost like 15 pounds. It was great. Um, so anyway, you guys didn't need to know that. Um, but the eating habits, you have breakfast. You probably didn't have lunch. You had a little whatever bread uh, thing you could do. Because remember, no microwave, no refrigeration, no ice packs in your cooler. It's 120 degrees outside. Mmm, I don't want to eat nothing that stood out. (laughs) Nope, 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 nope. And so dinner. Dinner is the main time in which you get your sustenance. And and the way in which everything has to be made, and if you're a Jewish family, you got to go by the kosher laws, so it's even harder to make everything. And so this is a whole day process providing for dinner. And dinner is when you would eat and when you would sit down and you would rest. But it also was your nightly entertainment too. Now, whether it was just your family getting together and eating, because no one's you know, hurrying off to go to baseball practice. Not been invented yet. No one's hurrying off to, to do anything else. You're not wanting to get your favorite, you know, NCIS is not coming on here in an hour. You can do whatever. You, you, dinner is the action. And so out of that, in the richer circles, became all kinds of these dinner parties. And so what you would do is you would have dinner um, with your honored guests. So if I invited the walkers over for dinner... And now I'm going to have my whatever it is. I want the walkers to come over because we know the walkers can provide the entertainment for the evening. And so we, uh, we brought the walkers over. And, uh, and so they're sitting around in the places of honor around my family table. Well, you guys all know, because we have nothing else to talk about, that gossip goes around. Well, Josh and Malia are going to Jared's house tonight for dinner. Well, what are they going to do? Uh, and so what would happen is around dinner time or after you had your own dinner time, then all of a sudden the Van Eyck's and the Moors show up. And they just kind of filter in and they're hanging out in the living room, just waiting for dinner to be over. And let's see what, you know, what craziness Malia is going to get into. And that's what, what, what was going on. Uh, Isn't that a weird, like, could you imagine you had dinner and all of a sudden your neighbors just walked in and went, what's up? Got got any leftovers? Like everyone is a 17 year old boy walking into someone else's house. Uh, That's, that's what happened. And so you're just, it's just kind of an awkward thing to us because we're so private. We close our doors. We you know, lock everything. Remember, no air conditioning. You're in Israel. Like everyone's just out in the open everywhere because it's so stinking hot. You've got to just, you know, so everyone's just kind of wandering in. And so that's where we find ourselves. And that's kind of the dinner party stuff. Also very interesting for the rich Romans uh, was at these parties, they would always provide entertainment afterwards. Now, the entertainment might be a, uh, a rabbi, it might be a teacher, it might be a philosopher. And so you would invite somebody over because the whole idea was after dinner was served, I get to pick your brain. Maybe I can get to get in an argument with you. A lot of times Jesus is invited into people's houses because people want to try to prove him wrong. Like, oh, I've got it. I got him. I got him. That never worked out well for those people. Um, some of them really wanted to just understand where he was coming from. Others, Jesus invited to parties from tax collectors and crazy people. And he's, they're like, come on over to our house. And Jesus is like, 
this is going to be awesome. All right. Um, and so he goes over to people that he had, like normal rabbis, had no business going there. But he's like, oh, let's go. Let's go crash this party. It'll be interesting. And so they're inviting Jesus over because it raises their social status and because it gives them something to do at night, something to talk about. Okay? Do you understand that? But other forms of entertainment, along with the philosophers and the, and the rabbis and, and whatever that would come over, some of the rich people would bring, they actually would invite adult entertainment over. And that was the, that was the entertainment after, after that. So they would hire uh, certain ladies or gentlemen for the adult entertainment after the, the dinner party. And that would be what they would do. Uh, some of them would bring uh, uh, jugglers and uh, just other kinds of stuff going on. Um, so this is really an interesting thing for, for dinners afterwards, depending on how much money you had. Um, that's all going to make a little bit more sense as we get into the scripture here in a moment. Um, and so that is the, the setting of these dinner parties. Jesus is invited into someone's house, and that is where we're at. So you can imagine we're probably on the rooftop or a courtyard of someone's house, and uh, Jesus is reclining at the table, and now we're, we're eating, and then all of a sudden these, the, the random people of the community are starting to filter in because they want to see what's going on at uh, this guy Simon's house. All right, uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, got something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had any money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who has the bigger debt to forgive. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, and she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the, others began, the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It's an interesting, awkward story. But it's beautiful at the same. Remember, what coming to the table, what coming to the table means uh, with Jesus. Coming to the table with Jesus means you will find acceptance. It means... Uh, There will be a pathway to redemption, and it means your reality will be shaken. These three things are found in every single time that you come to eat with Jesus. Every time uh, there is an eating story in the Bible, these things happen. You find acceptance in Jesus, you find uh, redemption with Jesus, and your reality is shaken. 
Every time you eat with Jesus, you got to be prepared that your life is not going to be the same as it was before you ate with Jesus. And this is what happens. And so that's what goes on in this story as well. Let's spend some time breaking down this scripture and what's happening. When one of the, verse 36, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. What's a Pharisee? Really, really, really quickly, a Pharisee is a fundamentalist Jew. Okay, they are wanting to go back to uh, Levitical law and adhere to that as closely as they possibly can. They believe that God has been silent with them for 400 years because uh, people have gotten too far away from what the Levitical law is. And uh, they're not necessarily wrong. They're just the way in which they do it uh, goes, goes about it the wrong way. They are in the hierarchy of how they think the world works. The law trumps love any time the law is around. When Jesus comes, he's constantly saying, yeah, yeah, you're right, except love always beats the law. And that just blows their brain. And if I'm going to be honest, I have operated way, way too much of my life as a Pharisee where I was right, but I couldn't have been more wrong. Anybody? Me? Okay, cool. Um, and that's where you find the Pharisees a lot of the times. They're, they're, they have the right intentions. They have the right intentions as they want to bring the country back to God, except they're doing it in such a judgmental, legalistic way that they don't have room for God anymore. Also something that, you know, I'm the only one that struggled with that, right? And so as we see the Pharisees, we see this happening, and then you have guys like Simon who are like, I feel like I'm close. I just, I don't understand it all. And you have the whole gamut of that. The Pharisees are so close to the kingdom of God, except they can't, they just, they just miss it in so many different ways. And so that's what a, what a Pharisee, a Pharisee is. It's just think of um, a fundamentalist Jew, like someone who's just mired in the law. In fact, they've taken the Levitical law, and then they've built a buffer around it in this Pharisaical law. And it, there's all these extra teachings in the, in the Mishnah and these other um, Jewish writings, but they're basically a, a guard. So if I don't if I adhere to these laws, there's no way I'm going to break actually the Levitical law. Does that make sense? That's what's going on. And so there's a lot of hospitality laws in that because uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy and, and Leviticus talks a lot about how you're supposed to treat guests into your home Well, and, and how you're supposed to be a good um, host. Well, then the pharisaical law was like, well, if I'm supposed to be a good host, then I've got to be a really good host. And there's all kinds of uh, laws specifically about washing your guests' feet giving them oil for their head um, and, and, and taking care of them like that. Um, so it's very interesting here. Second thing I want to just talk about, how you ate dinner. We don't have a tables and chairs, right? That's, that's getting ready to be invented. Maybe really rich people had that. Um, but you had these low-lying tables, and you reclined at the table with your feet behind you. Um, so you don't want to go to the side because then you got your nasty sandal, you know, camel dung feet uh, in somebody else's face. Also, why you wash them when you got into somebody's house. Let's just be practical. And that's just how this worked. So you reclined with your feet away from the table and you would eat that way. Um, I think my son would absolutely love this, right? You had no utensils, no forks. You got to eat with your hands and you got to lay down while you were eating. Could you imagine all these guys' beards? This would just be a, a train wreck um, of... of of crumbs uh, everywhere. And so anyway, that's where, that's how I read the scripture and uh, it helps me bring a life to me. So there you go. Hope, hope I helped you today. Um, 
Next, verse 37. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She came there with an alabaster jar of perfume as she stood behind them at, uh, sorry, at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with his tears and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. A lot of translations say this woman was a prostitute. So you have this, this woman of ill repute, if you will, walking into this guy's house. Now you have to wonder, like she knew her way around this guy's house. That had to cause a little community problem. Like, how do you, how do you know where my living room is? And why are you here? What is going on? And what kind of entertainment does this mean if the, if the prostitute's walking in here? That's why I told you about all the other stuff because this, whoa, 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 this party just got weird. Like what, what just happened? Um, and, and it goes and it changes and what's going on? How's Jesus going to respond? How is this, this super legalistic Pharisee going to respond to this woman walking in here? And now she's touching the rabbi that I invited into my home. <gasps> Can you imagine being Simon at this moment? You think your family dinners are awkward. Ha! Right? He's just like, ah. and it gets worse. It gets so much worse. She has an alabaster jar. She's got this beautiful bottle of perfume. And it would smell the whole house up. These alabaster jars, the perfume in that was like her calling card. That's her scent. That is what, like, that's a way in which she plies her trade. And she's breaking that on his feet and anointing him with it. Is it getting more awkward yet? Oh, wait, there's more. Then she takes her hair out, and she would have long hair. She lets that hair out. Now, we, in a Palestinian worldview, she could have walked in topless and been less shocking than taking her hair out. It, it, that is a holy cow. I mean, Simon's going, <laughs> you know, he's uh, having a panic attack. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for something. Like, is a wine being served yet or not? Because we, we got a problem. Because this is all happening. Can you imagine the feeling going on in that? And so this is what's happening. This is not just a woman. Like, we, we take it because we've read the scripture, or if you've read the scripture, Jesus is just so amazing that you're like, oh, yeah, he's got some random person crying on his feet. No, folks, this is not a normal occasion. This is weird. This is scandalous. This is like, what is happening here? And so you have this woman, not invited into my home, walks in, Starts anointing your feet, taking her hair out, crying on you, which is just weird. And then this is happening. She starts, you guys seeing what's going on here? Are you feeling the tension in the room? Because you know everyone's kind of trying to like act like it's not happening. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like everyone's giving the side eye. was trying to, oh, yeah, how's the weather? It's hot. It's Israel. Thanks. <laughs> um, that's what's going on. Verse 39. I lo- okay, sorry. Simon, he's having, the, the Bible talks about this internal dialogue. Like, doesn't he know who this woman is? Does he not know what is happening right now? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's aware with the perfume being poured out and her hair coming down. And uh, he's, okay. Um, when the Pharisee invited, who had invited him saw this, he said to Jesus, this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. And Jesus answered him. Remember, that's internal dialogue. Jesus answered him. Simon, got something to tell you. 
Tell me, teacher, he said, which I love because Simon is not the disrespectful Pharisee that most people are at this time. Because Simon, the, a lot of other Pharisees that Jesus interacts with would be like, what? <laughs> Can you fix this? Can you leave? Do something? He's like, tell me, teacher. He still uses the honorific title of rabbi. And I just, I, I don't want to give Simon a bad rap because he's, he's doing some good stuff here. Um, he's going through a lot. He's having a pretty rough night. Two people owed money to the certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I really don't know what this has to do with the lady crying at your feet, but okay, I suppose the one who has a bigger debt to forgive. Jesus, judge correctly. Okay. See, Jesus does a few things. He does this often, um, specifically with women, when women are caught in a compromising situation, found themselves um, at the object of uh, shame. He turns the attention away from them. In John chapter 8, there's one of my absolutely love the scripture, when the woman's caught in adultery, and Jesus starts writing in the dirt. He starts to pull the attention to himself. He does the same thing here. Everyone's looking at her. Everyone's talking about her. Everyone's like, (laughs) the gossips. And he's like, hey, let me tell you a story. And so everybody just focuses, turns the, turns the focus back on the conversation that they all came for between Simon and Jesus. And so Jesus is like, okay, pay attention, guys. It's story time. And so he tells the parable. He's doing a couple of things there. He's teaching a very beautiful uh, metaphor of what's going on between uh, here with, with the woman, but he's also turning the attention. He's pulling it to himself, and he's going to rectify the situation. I love that he does this. So he pulls that attention and he starts to teach Simon. He also teaches Simon, hey, you just in your head questioned if I was a prophet or not, and I just read your brain. So uh, what you think about that? Uh, you know, that's all unsaid in this, this moment. Uh, you, uh, verse 44, then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Yeah, Jesus, I see her. Right? Like, do you see this woman? Ha! She just appeared. Like, Simon's like, yeah, I see her. I see my life and my social status crumbling right now. I see no one wanting to do business with me. I see everyone gossiping about me. Yeah, I see this woman. Thanks, Jesus. I came into the house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. What he's doing is he's going down the, the extra laws. He's saying, hey, you didn't treat me with respect. You didn't let me wash my feet. You didn't do all these things. You're trying to be this high and mighty Pharisee and you're judging her because of her poor life choices or whatever the, the bad cards that she got or because we don't know if she was sold into slavery. We don't know any of those stuff, but she's got a bad lot in life. We can all agree with that, right? You don't know all that and you're judging her and you're judging what she's doing with me and all this stuff, but what's happening you missed the boat. These precious laws that you're trying to save so much and, and trying to guard yourself against, you missed them all because you were worried about a prostitute. Instead, you didn't love well. In that moment, Jesus is, 
He's doing the acceptance thing. He's doing the redemption thing, and he is shaking someone's world. It goes on. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this even who forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He escalates that. So now the actual scandalous thing that is happening is Jesus forgiving sins. The scandal is no longer the woman doing the stuff with the hair and the perfume and all that stuff. The scandal is this guy just said he forgave her sins. Once again, he's turning the attention to himself and he's offering the roadmap of how you are accepted, how you are redeemed, how you get your world shaken. It is one of the most awkward but beautiful stories in the scripture. I love this. The depth of what is going on at this dinner party. Jesus is teaching everyone in that moment about grace. He's teaching about judgment and about the depths of forgiveness. It's powerful and it leaves the room shaken. Let's rehash our, our three points of what happens at every dinner point. It, uh, the acceptance of Jesus. He accepts the woman. He accepts the sin. He accepts the junk. He accepts the, the reputation. He, he, he knows all of that. He knows the depth of sin. He accepts all that. And he says, I know who she is. I know what's going on here. She's not too far gone. In everyone else's mind in the whole community, this woman is like, she's gone. Like, there's no hope for her. There's no willingness to, we shouldn't help her in any way, shape, or form. She's just, mm, there's probably jealousy and, and, and judgment and just bad feelings and all kinds of stuff. Because if the woman's plying her trade, someone's purchasing the product, right? And so there's all kinds of issues going on there. And Jesus says, just come on. It's amazing to me. And it's, this, it's the same Jesus that we serve today. That no matter what we've got going on in our life, no matter what the, the stuff that we've done, no matter where we've been, God accepts us for in our past. He says, come on. I'm still with you. I'll still have dinner with you. I'm still sitting here. I'm not recoiling in horror. Think about that. There's no like, Jesus is like, don't touch me. It's not that. He's letting it happen. I think um, another part of the acceptance of Jesus is he accepts Simon. He knows exactly where Simon's head's at. <laughs> I wonder when Simon's like, hey, Jesus, would you like to come to my, my, my party tonight? <laughs> and he's like, oh, buddy, you're going to regret this. <laughs> like, I always wonder, like, how much Jesus knows all in the future and like the, the humanity and the divinity of Christ, how that all worked. Um, did, like, did he choose to know all of his conversations before they, like, uh, you can think about that sometime later. Um, but I just wonder, like, he looks at the side and he's like, yeah, buddy, I can come to dinner. <laughs> it's like, hey, <laughs> hey, Luke, uh, Luke's not there yet, but um, you guys are going to want to write this one down. This is going to be awesome. Uh, anyway, um, to me, this shows oh, the acceptance that he has for Simon. He knows there's going to be some questions. He knows there's going to be some awkward moments. He knows this is going to be a night that guy is never going to forget. And what that shows me about the acceptance of Christ is this, that Jesus has room for questions, that Jesus has rooms for doubt, that Jesus has room for, for, the, for the hard things of life. Because poor Simon's life is getting ready to go. 
And he's going to rethink the values of his whole worldview. Like, everything is going to be shaken tonight. And he's like, you know what, buddy? I'm going to come to your house anyway. I'm going to accept you being legalistic. I'm going to accept you you struggling through all these things. I'm going to be with you in this moment. He has room for not understanding him. He's okay with that, and he's going to be patient with us. That's the beauty of the acceptance of Jesus. The second thing that he offers, along with the acceptance, and these two shouldn't be uh, divorced from each other. They they go together. He offers redemption. Because often we're like, oh, well, Jesus accepts me the way I am and I'm okay. Yet, but he offers a way to change in a way that we correct and rectify our lives, right? He, he doesn't leave the woman in prostitution and be like, okay, well, go have a nice night. He says, no, 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 no. Your sins are forgiven. And implied in that is don't do that anymore. Your life needs to change, okay? He offers redemption. He offers redemption to the woman. Your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine the elevation? He does this publicly. A famous rabbi sees, goes through all of this and this public shaming that she is just destroying any shred of reputation she had. And he publicly, everybody in that room hears him go, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. And so he has restored her publicly as well. You see that, the importance of that? He's shutting down the gossip. Like, you can't gossip about her anymore. She's been restored. Everybody in that room's like, this was crazy. But, yeah, Jesus said she was good and cool. Okay. Like, you see what's going on there? He is just changing this whole community in the way in which he's acting. Go with the peace of God. Go and be restored. He's offering the same kind of uh, restoration to uh, Simon. By teaching, by turning the attention away from her, he's restoring dignity to his host. He's restoring dignity to the whole party. He's now made everyone feel uncomfortable, not just the woman. Right? That's what a good teacher does is make everybody feel a little, oh, oh, I got to think about that. He's speaking into Simon and that, Simon, there's a different way you can do this life. There's a different way. I understand that you want to guard the scriptures, but there's a different way in which you can love in the scriptures. And he's offering that redemption to him in this moment. I'd love, this is one of these stories I'd love to fast forward, you know, 10 years. What's the woman doing? What's Simon doing? We don't get that historical nugget, but but. What, how did this night change their life? How did it form them? How did it make it different? I know Jesus accepts them, and he offers redemption, and he shakes their world. Their reality is shaken. I, I wonder um, if the realization of, of hey, the uh, guy who owed a lot was the 500 denarii person, and the 50 denarii is, is Simon, which both, by the way, are huge amounts of money. The 50 denarii is probably like half a year's wages, so it's not like anything to shake home about, and the 500 is a lot, a lot, a lot of money. But either one's a huge amount of debt, right, that's being forgiven at this moment. I wonder if, if that, that realization kind of, oh, went across the room kind of like that perfume, just kind of across the room. That Jesus is offering acceptance, he's offering redemption, and he's, he's shaking their realities. That life doesn't have to be this way anymore, that life can be different, that it can be changed. He's offering all of those at the same moment through this beautiful, beautiful meal and through this conversation. This morning, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you know you need to be forgiven a lot. And maybe you, you go, you know, I haven't ever been a prostitute. I got that going for me. 
Um, but the reality is this. We both have insurmountable huge amounts that needs to be forgiven. Just like Jesus said, talks to the Pharisee who had all this stuff together. He, you have a huge amount of debt for you. She's got a huge amount for her. I'll wipe it all away. Today, we're going to take communion. We're going to do communion differently. Uh, I've got two communion uh, sets going on here. You just This side of the room can come to this one and go back to your seat. This side of the room can come to this one and go back to your seat. And we offer open communion here at Shoreward Church of God. That means if you are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are more than welcome to take communion with us uh, this morning. What we're going to do is uh, during this next song, I want you to grab the elements and take them back. You can do this with your family or uh, whatnot. Sit in your seats and reflect on a few things. Because as we talk about coming to the table, Jesus is so serious about this idea of, of acceptance and offering redemption and shaking our world that he becomes himself a meal. Right? As he chooses how to remember him, how to partake in him, he chooses to be the body and the blood to wash away our sins and to be broken for us. He chooses that every time we take of these elements, we are to think about and maybe even transform the way that that is thought of the acceptance of Christ, that he loves me, even with all my stuff. He loves me, that he offers redemption for me, that he washes away those sins and that he changes my reality that I once was lost and now I'm found. And so as we take in these elements this morning, I want us to think about that. I want us to ponder the effects of having our reality shaken, maybe the effects of do we actually understand how deep forgiveness is? How God doesn't want to bring you shame, he wants to bring you acceptance and redemption. And so this morning, uh, I want to pray over these elements, and I will take them up here, but you can take them whenever you'd like through this next song, um, back at your seat. Are we clear on the instructions? This side of the room, come over here. Sometimes we have traffic jams, and I've seen you guys all in 55. It's bad. So um, we'll do that. All right. God, thank you so much. Thank you for this time. Thank you for that you are the blood, that you are this grape juice, that you have washed away our sins, that you have made us a new creation that you care so much about us that you would stop at nothing to have relationship with us. God, thank you. Thank you for your acceptance. Thank you for your redemption. And thank you for shaking my world. Thank you for taking my preconceived notions and throwing them out the window and reforming me. God, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for being broken for me. So God, as we take these elements today, let us be thankful. Let us be grateful. Let us be in awe of all that you are and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.